You know, over the last year and a half, different social distancing measures have been put in place in different ways. And I think about, you know, about a year ago when restaurants started having people back in a little bit here and there, and they had to be pretty creative. And so maybe you saw some of the different things that they would do, right? There'd be the, the booths with like the plastic sheet between the booth next to it, or maybe going to a restaurant and there'd be like a booth and you couldn't use that booth and then the next booth was good. Or some places got creative with like those stools that are built into the ground. I have a picture here that have like an X, you know, you can't sit on that stool, but you can sit on the next. And I've seen somewhere they put like a paper bag over the top of the stool, but there are some restaurants that have gone through the great lanes of actually removing the top of those stools. And so you walk in, and there's just these big metal spikes coming out of the ground. And I think we all have the same thought, like, oh gosh, that would be painful. Like, thank you so much, God, that I don't have to sit on that thing, that there's normally a seat that can support my weight. You know, I think often in church, and when we think about Jesus and our faith, I think sometimes it's almost like we feel like we're asked to sit in just one piece of a chair, like the whole chair isn't together. It's almost like, you know, imagine coming in tonight and we offered you just, just this, here, enjoy the service, and here's your seat. You'd be like, that, that's not going to support me. That's not going to carry my weight. And I think so often in church where, where if you could think about the evidence for Jesus kind of being like, a chair, you know, I've taken this chair apart, we're going to put it together over the next 10 weeks, and I want you to think about the fact that all the different pieces of the evidence about Jesus, who he is, him being alive, and, and all the ways we know he's alive are kind of like a chair, um, and I think a lot of us have our faith in just one or two pieces of that chair, and the problem with that is, you know, let's just pretend you have your faith in say like the prophecies in the Bible. Now they're real and powerful and they're really important and they can really help us understand that Jesus can be trusted because they're supernatural and amazing and incredible. But if our only piece of evidence in our life is that prophecy, like what happens when a friend or something online kind of shakes our faith about that? You know, maybe we're talking with a friend at work or school and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I've heard this or that about the prophecies in the Bible. Can they really be trusted? And suddenly this was like everything your faith was in. You once were in church and myself or somebody else said, hey, we can trust in Jesus because of the prophecies in the scripture. And you said, wow, that sounds great. I'm all in. But all your faith was in just that. Or what, what happens when maybe our faith's in a different piece? Let's pretend this piece of the chair is some kind of answered prayer. And so we ask God for something. He comes through. He heals somebody. He gets us out of a crazy situation. He provides for us. And that experience is very real. And because of that experience, we say, oh, wow, I guess God can be trusted. But then we pray a little while later, and we don't get the answer we want. And suddenly what happens to this one piece of the chair that we thought was supporting us is it kind of gets pulled out from under us. It can't carry all of the weight. And so over the next 10 weeks, what I want to do is I want to piece by piece just bring the chair together, bring all the evidence together so that when we're in a conversation with somebody and they say, ah, I don't know about that prophecy stuff, your whole world doesn't fall apart. Your whole relationship with Jesus doesn't fall apart. You're able to say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to look into that. And there's probably a really good answer if I just search a little bit. Or the next time you're praying for something and it doesn't quite go the way that you want, instead of you're looking at the one piece of this faith, this, this evidence you had in your life that Jesus could be trusted and saying, see, I guess I can't trust God. Instead of falling apart, you're, you're, you, know, you have the whole rest of the chair still carrying you. There's still all this evidence to make you know, no, no, Jesus can absolutely still be trusted. And so we're going to work through that over this next 10 weeks. And I think it's really important for you and I to have some of this kind of kicking around in our hearts. And I want you to know that this, this whole series, man, this is not like theoretical. This wasn't like, oh, this would be a nice thing to talk about in church. No, this stuff is why I'm a follower of Jesus. If it wasn't for the, the stuff I'm going to share over the next 10 weeks, 
My faith may have fallen apart if I hadn't seen all the truth that came out of a time of deep struggle in my life. You know, I don't know where my faith would be today, but there's just so much that's come together to support it. And so I want to share about that over these next several weeks. I grew up in a great home, went to a great church, went to a great Christian school, great Christian college. All of them taught me about Jesus. But also in that college, started to take some classes like psychology and world religion, and suddenly what I was always just kind of assuming was true was challenged. It was like, wait a minute, you mean everything I learned in church about Jesus, you know, there, there are these other options? And, and, and this person says that they're telling truth, and this person says that they lead to life, and suddenly I began to struggle with that. And then you get into psychology, and they start to talk about how, you know, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, and there are no absolutes. And man, things started to get really confusing. And so in my life, this led to a multi-year struggle, and it was really the darkest time in my life. Why? Because this really hit me in college, and in college, I was training to be a youth pastor. And now I'm thinking, oh man, there's no way I'm going to give my life to telling people Jesus can be trusted if I'm not sure he can be trusted. There's no way I'm going to get on a stage every week and say, Jesus rose back from the dead. We can be confident of this if I'm not even sure of it. There's no way I'm going to give people hope of heaven if I don't know deep down inside that I can guarantee that I know I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus has done for me. And so, man, it spiraled me down into some severe depression as I was trying to figure all of this out. And so I dug in for years. It was hours upon hours a day. It was sleepless nights. It was uh, really struggles through each and every day of trying to just work this all out and, and come to terms with all of this. Because again, for me, this was not just about my faith. It was about what I would do with my entire life. And so there was a lot of pain that came out of that. But as awful as that time was, and we say this all the time here, scriptures say it, that God uses all things for good, right? All the different things we walk through come out for good. That, that time of deep pain for me and searching for me came out into the good of, of trust, of belief, of experiencing God for myself, of seeing truth after truth that Jesus could be trusted. And, you know, I, I'm excited not only for that for me, but for you too, because I get to share with you all of the things that I discovered and I found. We're living in a dark world, a world that is confusing, and there's a lot of things that can shake our faith. You know, I want you to think about how at times we go through such hardship, we may lose a loved one, we may go through a season where God just feels really far. We may have a conversation with somebody and they ask us a really challenging question about our faith and we don't know the answer. Um, sometimes we pray and we don't get the result that we wanted. Sometimes it feels like we're kind of by ourselves on this journey. And there's all kinds of things that scream at us, cultures yelling at us, a very different message than the Bible is giving us, right? And so there's all these different things coming at us, and it's so important that you and I can at the end of the series say, okay, no matter what's kind of thrown at me, I've seen the pieces come together. I've seen that, that man, God can be trusted. Jesus is alive. This is not just something that I think or I hope or the guy on the stage talked about, but this is stuff that we dug into for 10 weeks and there was so much evidence. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. My goal at the end of the series is not that you remember everything I say, it's just that you remember that I said a lot. That at the end of the day, as you guys are, are having conversations or you're wrestling through some of this for yourself, you say, man, you know, I don't remember everything, Doug said. I remember some of this, and I remember some of that. That really stood out to me, and I kind of, you know, put that down on my heart deep. But, but I want you to just remember, man, there was so much. There was 10 weeks worth of material talking about the evidence that Jesus is alive. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I pray this series strengthens your faith. I pray it also 
gives you answers for others. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that it causes you to go through a time of searching, of questioning. We say this a lot here too, God's not afraid of our questions and he's not intimidated by our doubts. We're gonna talk about that here tonight as well. Now, one of my jobs here in this series and specifically tonight is to really help us excuse me, focus on the main thing. Like sometimes when we're, we're looking at Jesus, we're not really looking at Jesus. There are things that have distorted our lens. We're not really seeking him. We're seeking a distorted view of him. And I think that there's some reasons for that. I think we get distracted by stuff. And instead of focusing on the central claim of Christianity, which is Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is a savior that can be trusted. Instead of focusing on that, I think we get distracted with some different lenses that make everything blurry. My daughter, Bryn, she has horrific eyesight. And, uh, you know, if you ask her to see anything more than a few feet in front of her, she has no clue. But the funny thing about her is she's an amazing basketball player. And so she has legit moves, man. She'll, she'll totally fake you out, deke you go one way, then, you know, take the ball the other. And, you know, crazy passes, good D, good ball handler. But, man, she was born with a sweet shot. Every coach she's ever had has said, Bryn, you are born with this crazy good shot. And I just keep thinking, imagine if she could see the rim, right? Like, can you fathom how good she'd be? Like, forget Michael Jordan, forget any of these other guys. Like, this shot is so awesome. And so I say to Bryn, why don't you wear those sports goggles on the court? And she's like, Dad, I don't want to look like an idiot, you know? There's no way I'm going to wear those goggles. But she has these lenses, these, these glasses that she's supposed to wear in school, and I've tried them on. And it, for me, man, it messes everything up. I put those lenses on. I can't see a thing. I'm walking into stuff. I can't read. Everything's distorted. And some of us have lenses on today. And those lenses are distorting our view of Jesus. We're focused on something that's not the main point because these lenses are, are shadowing our view. What are, what are some of these lenses? I think for some of us, it's a political lens. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. Take off your political lens and let's answer this question over the next 10 weeks. Is Jesus actually alive? Because if he's alive, then man, that's, that supersedes our political lens. Some of us have a different lens. We have an offended lens. We've been offended by a person that was supposed to treat us differently. You know. When I was on vacation a few weeks ago, I felt like God really put on my heart to just get up here and apologize to you guys and say, I'm just so sorry if you've been hurt by me, by anyone on our staff, by our church, by any of the people that just attend our church, by somebody from another church. You know, I was actually thinking about taking this whole lens part out of the message here, but I felt like this moment right now is really important for some of you because some of you aren't seeing Jesus clearly because there's this lens of offense and hurt. And I just want to kind of stand here as the representative of the person that hurt you. And maybe it was me, but, but maybe it was somebody else. And man, if I could just apologize for what you went through and say, I'm so, so sorry for maybe what was done to you. And that you would say, oh God, would you heal my heart? And would you help me take off this lens of hurt and offense and help me to see you clearly? Because the lens of offense changes how we see everything. So I know... Many of you guys are impressed with my physique recently as I've been clearly going to the gym. And uh, you're like, right, Doug. And so as, I, as I'm in the gym lately, uh, sometimes my wife will come, uh, often my wife will come, sometimes our kids will join us. Brendan Lannon will come along. And the other day, I'm working out on one side of the gym, the three of them are on the other side of the gym. And this old crotchety guy starts going after my wife 
and my daughter and my son saying these really mean things to them. And obviously, if you know, he had seen me on the other side of the gym in my sheer size, he wouldn't have done any of this. But he, he started saying different things. And immediately, I never saw it. I, I was too late to the party to figure out who it was even. And by the time I knew what was going on. But when I heard of this, like, if I'm honest, the thing that I thought besides go take this guy out was don't come back here. I don't want to come back here. I, I don't need this in my life. Like, I, I, I have enough stress. I have enough other opinions and voices that I'm listening to and, and trying to interact. I don't need this. Then I realized, like, wait a minute, that's just the offended lens. I'm seeing the whole gym, every person here through that one guy. And being in the gym is really important for my lungs right now. I need to build the strength. I need to get in shape and make sure I'm as healthy as I can possibly be. And for some of us, we're viewing Jesus through this lens of hurt. And somebody has made you think Jesus is a certain way because they've treated you wrongly. And I just am so sorry for that. And I want to say, just like I had to push through that and keep going to the gym and take off that lens of offense, I pray you'll take off that lens of offense and realize how important seeing Jesus clearly is in this next 10 weeks. Some of us have a disappointed lens. We're disappointed with God in some way. We prayed for something that didn't happen. And I think some of us need to go to God for some healing for that. Some of us have the lens of culture on. Like I said earlier, culture is, is loud, man. Culture is saying all these different messages and signals and, and wow, everything's just so loud and it's really hard right now. Some of us are thinking, I don't know how I can you know, pursue Jesus if culture is saying you know, this thing is one of our values and, and Jesus has this value and they're opposed. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Please just take that culture lens off for a little bit. And think about Jesus clearly during this series. See him for who he is. Don't let anything distort that view. Because again, the central claim of Christianity is Jesus is alive. We can figure out all the other stuff later. Because if Jesus is alive, then that outweighs everything else. This next one is phrased a little bit strange, but I think some of us have this lens on. And this is really important for where we're headed tonight. We have this misunderstanding of the academia lens. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, I think often we think there, there's either academia or faith, you know? Like you're, you're learned, you're smart, you're wise, you study, you explore, or you have faith in God. And we often think that these are opposed. We often think that you can't be smart and, you know, do some academia and be learned and also trust in God. We think that these are at odds. And here in the series, I just want to say that we're going to do a ton of academia, that we're going to do a whole bunch of studying and learning and going deep and jumping in the deep end of the pool over the next 10 weeks, and that, yes, you can be smart and believe in God. I'm not asking you to shut your brains off. I'm not asking you to just close your eyes and don't look at this. No, I'm saying let's explore it. Let's question it. Let's jump in and dive in and really, truly see. Jesus, can you be trusted? Can you be smart and believe in God? And so we're going to explore some of that. But remember, the main claim of Christianity is, is, or rather, is that Jesus is alive. So the question we're going to ask is, Jesus, are you really alive? Is there evidence for that? Is there evidence to support that? Can the pieces of the chair come together so that when one area of the chair gets a little bit of, of challenging through a circumstance or an argument or a disagreement, the rest of the chair can still hold me? Because right now, I think a lot of us just have our faith in a piece or two of the chair, and it's real easy for that to fall apart. So let's jump in. What's the starting point? 
The starting point for me, kind of the first piece of the chair for me was this. Does the natural explanation for how we got here and why we're here stand up? Does the natural explanation for the origin of life and the purpose of life, does it stand up? Does it work? And as I kind of walked through this, And I start thinking about, man, is all this an accident? Like, was this just a random explosion? If so, then my life is meaningless. My next breath doesn't even matter. If I'm just an accident, and we're all just an accident, we're going to have our good days and our bad days, and our hills and our valleys, and we're going to walk through pain, and and we're going to have joy, and and we're going to have all these things, and, and life is just sort of this random experiment until we just die, and that's it? To me, on an emotional level, the natural explanation, man, that, that can't cut it. No wonder I was depressed. And, and the natural, if it didn't fulfill me and give me purpose, then what was I here for and what was the point of it all? And so very quickly for me, honestly, I thought to myself, there's got to be more just on an emotional level, just on a level of why am I here and what is my life about? The thing I wasn't sure about was, does the natural explanation for the origin of life stand up? Because if it does then why look any further into God? If the natural explanation is without question, then why continue to explore at all? And so I dove deep into studying some of the science behind all this, and I am not a scientist. You're like, oh, we know that, Doug. I am not a scientist. But what I want to do that's a little different than the first time I did this series 11 years ago now is I want to, instead of going into some of the reason I think some of the science that we've taught is, been taught is wrong, I instead would rather champion the great design that is us and the world around us. I'd rather us kind of explore some of the beauty and the intricacy of what God has done than just try to tear down kind of what we've all learned, okay? And I I want you to know, too, that there are some really smart people who believe that you can Look for a creator. And I want to show you something that I showed you a few months ago now and remind you of that. And then I want to explore some of the intricacies of our body and the universe. And then I want to actually talk about the supernatural. Now, when I say the word supernatural, sometimes people freak out. Like, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about here? What are are we going to do here? Well, think about it. Supernatural just means more than natural. So if the natural explanation for how we got here, origin of life, our purpose and all that, if that doesn't stand up, then what would be left is the supernatural, the more than natural. And so I want to just remind you of something that we we looked at a few months ago. And, And it really has to do with this misunderstanding of the academia lens, this idea that either you're smart or you believe in God. Remember, if you were here a few months ago, I shared about the professors who took out this full page ad in the paper. And they they were really brilliant guys. These were biologists and chemists and physicists and anthropologists and molecular and cell biologists and bioengineers from schools like Cambridge and Stanford and Cornell and Yale and Duke. And they took out this ad in the paper to send a really clear message. And the message was this. You can read it with me. We are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence. I love that that word is in there. The evidence for the Darwinian theory should be encouraged. So here are these really smart guys, and they're saying, hey, we don't think the natural explanation stands up. These are some brilliant minds saying you can be smart and believe in God. And it's not just about origin of life and how we got here. It's also about fulfillment in life. It's about joy and peace. 
It's about living this satisfied life. Haven't we seen celebrity after celebrity crash and burn? Haven't we seen celebrity after celebrity that has everything they want seemingly crash and burn? Because why? They, they get it all and still discover, I'm still empty. After all that, I'm still empty. Now listen, as followers of Jesus, I think we sometimes have seasons where our fulfillment is challenged, our peace is challenged, and our joy is challenged. But at the end of the day, we have in our life the source of all those things. And so as I'm working through the natural origin of life, but also fulfillment of life, I'm thinking, man, I, I just think there's got to be more. So, so now let's explore the intricacies of our body and of the universe around us and see how great and awesome this creation really is. Some of you guys are thinking, man, I think Doug's like really anti-science. I'm not anti-science. I just think God's the greatest scientist. I'm not here today saying, oh, no, 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 let's not think about science-y stuff anymore. No, no, God's just the greatest scientist. So let me take a few minutes with you here, okay? So the new iPhone 13 is coming out, I think, in a week or two. Some of you guys already have it pre-ordered. And if you do, you probably know how many megapixels the, the camera is, right? They, these lenses have all come together, and they're, they're shooting TV shows and movies, like with iPhones now. Like, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty advanced. And so if you bought that new phone, you're going to get a 12-megapixel camera there. Do you know that your eye? is 576 megapixels. Pretty powerful design. Your heart beats around 100,000 times a day, pumping 2,000 gallons of blood through your body. You know when we did baptisms here a few weeks ago? Well, that tank is 500 gallons, and we filled it with 300 gallons because if we filled it with 500, the whole front row would get splash zoned, right? Like, we figured that out pretty quick. In the first uh, service we did baptism, it was like, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the splash, and everybody got baptized together. But we filled it up with 300 gallons, and here's your body pumping 2,000 gallons of blood through your day, or your body every day. I love this one, and it hasn't gotten the response. I think, guys, we ought to be in awe of this. Do you know that your nostrils work on shifts? I just think that's the coolest thing in the whole world. Everybody throughout the day has been sitting there so unimpressed by that one. That's awesome, right? So your one nostril, like we always think, I'm just breathing, right? It's just going through. No, no, no. Your one nostril takes the load of it for a while, and then the other one takes over so that your nose doesn't get dried up and, and all messed up, and you can keep on breathing. And so you're shifting back and forth. And I know none of us are thinking, okay, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn, right? Like the body is just doing this because God created this in such a powerful way. I was talking with my buddy Tim Fox about the series. He said, oh, I have a couple quotes you should include. And so he sent me a couple great quotes. One is by Bill Gates, who I don't think believes in God, but he just recognizes the power of what our bodies are and, and the creation that we are. It says, DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software ever created. It comes from the software guru, right? The human body is the most complex system ever created. The more we learn about it, the more appreciation we have about what a rich system it is. You guys can read this with me, Linus Pauling. He's a biochemist and a chemical engineer. He says, just one living cell in the human body is more complex than New York City. Like, this is the design. I can't buy that that's a random mistake. That's, everything came from nothing. That there was an explosion and here we are. I just can't wrap my mind around it. You know, sometimes people say, oh, well, I'm not a person of faith. Oh, no, we're all people of great faith. Sometimes it's in God, and sometimes it's just that something came from nothing. We all have faith. And I just love the intricacies of our bodies. I was learning about these things called kinesins. 
Some of you guys who are studying some science right now, you might know what kinesins are. These are the coolest little things in our bodies. They are these proteins, and Calvin Smith says this about them. He says, one end has two arms that hold onto their cargo. So he's describing these kinesins bringing proteins through our body, and he describes them almost kind of like an Amazon factory here. He says, and the other has two legs that walk along the roadway inside cells called microtubules. So right now in you are the kinesins carrying proteins, carrying with their arms what needs to get delivered to this next spot, and they're walking through your microtubules. These faithful couriers carry packages called vesicles containing needed parts such as proteins to specific destinations. Determining when and where a specific part is needed requires an incredibly sophisticated diagnostic system. It also requires keeping a catalog of all the available parts that can be built and shipped. I love how he's using Amazon terms through this. When new parts are needed, the cell excuse me, accesses a blueprint of the needed part, orders it to be assembled and packaged, and then summons a kinesin and hands it an address. Like runners in a relay race, kinesins sometimes hand off their cargo to a fresh worker after bringing it a certain distance. And if the cargo is too big for a one kinesin job, multiple kinesins will join together to pull the load. Kinesins even have a bypass mode that allows them to navigate around obstructions. And this is all happening all day, every day, in you and me, over and over and over again to keep us alive. Man, I think we have a great designer. I think we have a great creator. For me, the natural explanation doesn't cut it. Think about space. You know, the earth is orbiting the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. That's just a little bit faster than the Mets fell out of first place. Incredible. Our solar system moves around the center of our galaxy at 490,000 miles per hour. Just as we're sitting here, this is just what's happening. Our sun is so big, you can put 1.3 million earths and gives off more energy every second than one billion large cities could produce in a year. I don't see an accident. And you all learn in elementary school that the sun is perfectly positioned to not fry us or freeze us out. I don't see an accident. I see a creator. And I think that's what these brilliant scientists who took out this full-page ad were trying to say. I think they were saying, guys, we have a misunderstanding of academia. We don't get it. We think you have to either believe in God or believe in science. And man, God's just the greatest scientist. James Torr, who's a chemist and nanotechnologist, you guys can read this with me. He says this, I build molecules for a living. That's kind of a cool job. I can't begin to tell you how difficult that job is. I stand in awe of God because of what he's done through his creation. My faith has been increased. Everybody say increased. Increased. Through my research. Only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, it will bring you closer to God. Origin of life expert William Bradley says this, read this with me. If there isn't a natural explanation and there doesn't seem to be the potential of finding one, then I believe it's appropriate to look at a supernatural explanation. And this is where I found myself. Now listen, it's 27 minutes and 15 seconds into the message. For me, this took years to get to this point where I was going, okay, I don't think the natural explains it, I don't think the natural cuts it. I think that there has to be more. There has to be the supernatural. I don't think the natural explains origin of life, and I don't think it explains fulfillment of life. 
There has to be more. But then the question was, but was the supernatural, the more than natural possible for me on an experiential level, for, for my own life, for my own day to day? And you know, a, a lot of this first part of this evidence series, I've changed. I've changed from what we did 11 years ago. But I want to keep the next few stories the same because I think it's important because it was some of these stories that were so critical for my faith at the time that they happened. And so one of the stories that stood out to me when I was going through this was in college I had a friend named Evans and he was studying to be a youth pastor as well and he was driving through the town of Nyack where our school was and he had had his heart broken some of you guys are there right now somebody just broke your heart and you know when that happens it just feels like the end of it all I just want to encourage you tonight you're going to get through it keep hanging in there God's got something cool for you but he's driving through the town and he's heartbroken he just kind of feels like everything in his life's unraveling and so he makes this prayer uh, you know this cry out to God he says God I need to know if you're real and instantly the lights of a police car go on behind him. And he's like, that's not the sign I was looking for, Lord, you know. And he gets pulled over, and the cop comes over and says, are you okay? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, why? He says, oh, no, I just, I saw you crying, I just wanted to, and the guy's thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get arrested for crying. That's the manliest thing anybody's ever done. What, what Evans, we saw you got, what, what was that? I was crying. <laughs> and so... The cop, eventually, Evans just says, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for checking on me. And, and the cop begins to walk away, and then he takes a step back, and he looks Evans in the eyes, and he says, I just want to let you know that God is real. I don't know about you, but I think that an active God heard my buddy Evans cry, like, God, I need to know you're real. And he tapped this cop on the shoulder, who obviously knows him, and God said, go tell that kid who's crying over there that I'm real. Here's a God who's active, a God who gets it, a God who sees what we walk through, a God who cares, a God who knows what we need when we need it. I think of fast-forwarding a bit, and, and by now, I'm a youth pastor here at Living Word Church, I'm maybe 23 or 24, and God's beginning to make himself real to me. God's, I've turned the corner, and God's began to show up in my life, and I'm beginning to see, like, yes, the supernatural is possible, and I can tell you story after story of what God did. But one story that stands out was kind of like a, one, of the, one of the first cool healings that I knew of when, when a person got touched in just a powerful way was there was a lady named Judy Dwyer that came to our church. And Pastor Ravone, who started our church, was just, uh, I think he was leading communion at the moment, if I remember. And he just felt like God put on his heart that there was somebody there that had this issue with their jaw and that God wanted to just touch that person, whoever they were. And so he didn't know that this was going on, but Judy had this horrible issue with her jaw. She had TMJ. She was living on painkillers. She would come home from work and crash and just spend the night in bed and couldn't spend time with her family. She had surgery scheduled. She could hardly open her mouth to sing the worship songs at church that day. But in that moment, she said, you know, to God, she didn't like even identify herself when like she came up and we all prayed for her. She just, she just like kind of said, all right, Lord, if, if that's your heart for me, then let's go. And we left that day, didn't think anything of it until I think it was about a week and a half later, Pastor got a letter or an email from her that said that that was me. And from the moment you said those words, I was healed. God touched me. 
I haven't needed any painkillers. I've been chewing and eating and talking and working and spending time with family. I canceled my surgery. God touched me. For me, that was a huge wow moment of God just showing up and doing something so powerful. So fast forward, then probably a few more years later, man, I'm strong in my faith now. God's doing some powerful things. And, and we're um, you know, doing a, a series at our night service. And my aunt, Vanessa, used to come to the church. And so she was... Worshiping that night, she just felt like God put on her heart, like God spoke to her, like, I'm healing you right now. Why would she need healing? Because she had some blood issues. She couldn't fight off infection. That part of her blood was completely annihilated, destroyed. She had almost like zero count of, of the blood type that you know, enables you to fight off infection. And when she went to the doctor and they tested her out for all this, she was told she would never be able to recover from this. She, she would live the rest of her life, as long as that might be, unable to fight uh, off any type of infection and this was just the way it would be and she here she is now telling me like I really feel like God's saying he's going to heal me tonight and it wasn't like she heard an audible voice or anything it was just this impression in her heart and so she says would you just pray with me let's pray together and kind of seal the deal and so we said a little quick prayer maybe 45 seconds so oh, God just do this we'd love to see you do this well she calls me the next morning she already had an appointment scheduled with her blood doctor for that day and she says Doug when I went in and they had tested my blood he walked into the room, his jaw dropped, and he said, your blood is perfect, perfect. And what's cool about that phrase is there's several times in my aunt's life where she went through some really devastating things, and that phrase, perfect, keeps coming back up, that word perfect. People would walk through the door and say, your blood is perfect, or this situation is perfect, or the test came back perfect, or whatever it might be. And in that, man, I'm just seeing, wow, more and more of God at work. Now listen. The last thing I want for you today is to think, well, that's great for Evans and Judy and Vanessa, but I've prayed, right? Maybe this is your piece of the chair. I've prayed recently, and I just feel like God's been saying no or it just isn't hearing me. And guys, I wish I understood why that is sometimes. I know God's good, and I know he's going to show up and do something beautiful out of all that, and I know it very personally firsthand. I mean, God saved my life many months ago, but my wife is sitting home tonight and spent more time in the hospital this week, and she's just doing awful. And I don't know why that is. We have prayed with faith. We have cried out to God, and we appreciate your prayers for her as we continue to go forward and try and figure out what's going on and just ask that God touch her in power. So I understand that disappointment. I understand when this part of the chair gets challenged, but I don't want us to miss out on the fact that, man, a supernatural God interacts with us. And probably, if I had time, I don't know, if I had to guess it, 65, 70% of you guys tonight could stand up and say, here's how God made an impact on my life. Here's how he changed me. Here's how he answered a prayer. Here's how he made a difference. And you know, I think sometimes we miss out on what I like to call the smaller stuff that's not really the smaller stuff. Sometimes we don't realize that things like peace and joy and satisfaction, man, those are huge things God gives us. And so if you've walked in here tonight and you have some peace and you have some joy and you're satisfied in God, and not that we're perfectly satisfied in all those things, well, that'll happen in heaven. But if we have a peace and a joy and a satisfaction, then man, God is supernaturally doing that. The people walking with you tomorrow at school and work, they don't have that. Don't miss how big that is. That's not a small thing. And so for me, does the natural explain it all? No. Origin of life, fulfillment of life? No. Doesn't explain it all. 
And is the supernatural possible? Well, man, I sure began to experience God in powerful, powerful ways. And so kind of with the beginning of this, I, I was searching this out. And the starting point for me was that the evidence points to God. The evidence points to God. I didn't have the full chair together yet. I had one piece. All I was saying at that point in my life was the evidence points to God. I, I can see that clearly, that there's a creator, there's a designer, there's a sustainer. Then the question was, though, who is it? Who is it? Okay, so I'm a theist. I believe in God. But who is this God? Is it Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to really explore for these next nine weeks. Spoiler alert, it is Jesus. But uh, these next nine weeks, we're going to really jump in. But why? How do we know that? How can we be sure that it's Jesus, that he's the one? But I just love in this first piece of the chair that really when I threw out the idea of God, the evidence led me back to him. When I threw out the idea of everything I had learned to that point, just kind of said, all right, I'm just going to look for truth. Truth led me right to God all those decades ago. So if he's there, who is he? That's where we're going next week. Where do we find truth and power? We're going to see next week how much Jesus stands apart. Some people think Jesus is just another road to heaven. He's just another option out there. No, next week we're going to see how much he stands apart from all the other options. So what do we do? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, I pray we rest in this this week. We go, wow, I'm created. I'm designed. There's purpose. I'm here for a reason. I want to fulfill that reason in knowing Jesus and getting closer to him. I also pray this week that you'll have some answers for some other people that maybe have some questions and are wrestling with some things. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to search him out. Because as I said earlier, God is not afraid of our doubts and he's not disappointed in our questions. Look what it says in John 3 verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Everybody say at night. Why did he come at night? Probably because he was ashamed. Probably because he didn't want anyone else to know he was there. Probably because he had questions he didn't want to ask out during the day. Some of you guys have come to church at night, and I don't just mean that you're literally here at night. I've been saying this all day. Some of you guys are coming under the cover of night, so to speak. Nobody knows you're here. Maybe you're watching online. Nobody knows you're watching. You're going to delete your history after this. Nobody knows you're watching church stuff. And here you are trying to figure out who Jesus is, and you have questions and maybe some doubts. So here's Nicodemus, and it goes on. He said, Rabbi, he says this to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus is unsure. He's going, okay, you're definitely a teacher. You're definitely from God. But what he doesn't know is that Jesus is God, not just from God. Some of us may be unsure about this. We're going to keep exploring it. Verse 3, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Look what Nicodemus comes back with, another question. Verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their, mother, into their mother's womb to be born. And now that we all need therapy after reading that verse, right? All right. Um, here's more questions. Nicodemus is coming back with another question. Everybody say question. Verse 9, after Jesus says, oh, no, no, Nicodemus, I'm not saying you get physically reborn. I'm talking about this spiritual birth. Verse 9, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. Another question. Jesus explains a bit more. We get to the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus continues to give Nicodemus answers to his questions. John 20, Jesus has been crucified. 
He rises back from the dead. But look what happens. It says on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them, hey, I'm not just a mirage. Uh, You're not dreaming right now. This is not a vision. We're going to talk about that more in the series in a few weeks. He says, here's my hands. Here's the side. My hands where the nails were, the side where the sword was, where I, I was proven to be dead. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 24, now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Some of you guys are here tonight, and your friend that brought you is going, I have seen the Lord. I've seen God. He showed up in my life. He makes a great difference, and I want you to know him too. When you're coming in like Thomas, oh, I don't know about that. Thomas didn't see Jesus alive, and his statement was, I won't believe till I touch the holes in his hands. And then it goes on, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. We have a Savior who does not look at us disappointed when we ask a question. We have a savior who did not look at Thomas and say, what do you mean you wanna touch my hands and see the nail holes? What do you mean? What's wrong with you? I told you I was rising back from the dead. I told you, you should have faith. No, he says, come, explore. If you have to question, question. And for the next nine or 10 weeks now, we're gonna question and explore and we don't have to be afraid of that because we're gonna discover truth. Because the more we dig in, the deeper we go, the more truth we will find. The evidence points to God. We live in a dark world, lots of confusion and pain. People who are saying very different things than what Jesus is saying. Sometimes getting prayers answered and sometimes not so much in the way that we hope. Sometimes getting made fun of for being a follower of Jesus. Sometimes wrestling greatly with doubts and questions. And so we're going to explore this central claim of Christianity, Jesus, are you alive? Because if Jesus is alive, then we may say, I lost a loved one. I have this hurt in my heart. I've been offended. I feel far from God. Though, Though we may say those things, if Jesus is alive, it overrules, it overtakes, and it outweighs all of those struggles. So Let's take the lenses off. Let's say, God, I just want to see you. I want to see you. I don't want to see you through a lens. I don't want to see distortion of you. I don't want to see you all blurry. God, Jesus, I want to see you for who you really are. And that's the heart of this series. And that's the goal of what we're going to do in these next 10 weeks together. If you're a follower of Jesus, what I want you to do in just a minute as we close in prayer is I want you to bring a question or a doubt that you might have. Maybe you're going, God, I do not understand why I lost this loved one. God, I don't understand why my life is like it is right now. God, I don't understand why your word says this. I don't understand why I don't, I don't like to read the Bible. What's with that, God? Would you give me a love for that? Like, just bring an issue to Jesus. And if you're in a good place, then you're like, no, 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 no. I feel strong in my faith. I'm excited. I feel like I came in tonight, maybe needing a little bit of encouragement. And I just feel like, man, I'm so passionate about Jesus right now. Then can you pray for somebody who's far from God tonight? I'm sure we all know some people who are just far from God. They're questioning or doubting. Would you pray for them? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I want to give you the chance to do that. But some of you guys aren't ready for that. And if you're not ready for that, come back and join us for this series because we're going to 
Again, we, we kind of dipped our toe in tonight. We're going to jump in the deep end of the pool in this series and really find more and more truth as we go. But I hope you're encouraged today because I don't think the natural explains it. And I think the supernatural is certainly something we can experience. And I think when all is said and done, the evidence points to God. Pray with me here. God, thank you so much that you are so good to us and so merciful, Jesus, to, to stretch out your hands and say, come and look and explore. Come and see. See for yourself. You're not trying to hide anything, Lord. Out in the open saying, here I am. Come and search me out. So if you're a follower of Jesus, can you take a minute and, and maybe bring him a question or a doubt? Or if you're, you're feeling strong tonight and just good in your faith, would you pray for somebody else that maybe isn't? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're ready to take a step of putting your trust in him, would you pray with me now? You could just say something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of salvation, that you so love the world. Jesus, you came to rescue me. Thank you that there's nothing I could do to earn this salvation, that it's all a gift from you, not based on my performance or my works. And I pray you'll show me how real you are answer my questions like Nicodemus and like Thomas. Jesus, show me how real you are. In your name I pray. Amen.